What's up, everybody? Welcome to the A to the P to the O double S. Jack and David expect nothing less. It's the anime podcast of some sort. What's up, Jack? Oh man, what isn't up? We've got so much to go through that I don't think we can do it by ourselves. No, I don't. I don't think we can. And and this time we bought somebody along with us that's truly, truly. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and call him a ringer. Uh, I'm welcoming to APOS for the very first time uh, the editor in chief at w2mnet.com and the host of Video Games to the Max, Mr. Sean Garmer. Sean, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. All right. Well, let's just jump right in and talk about the cartoons and, and the video games and all of that stuff. Uh, top story, uh, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, this one is purely for me, purely for selfish <laughs> reasons, because, well, quite frankly, it's my show. Uh, and although I just got done talking about this on two other podcasts, should probably talk about it on my own. So the first story. Now, guys, I don't know if you've heard this, but there is a live action adaptation for Mobile Suit Gundam in the works. Uh, so I'm excited for you. That this is like hearing that someone's like won the lottery. You know, you get your dream movie made. This has got to. How do you feel, David? This is more like the monkey's paw, truthfully. Yeah, that that's true. Now that I think about it, now, yeah, now I wish I had a monkey's paw. Uh, uh, all old listeners of the old Apos knows that I enjoy the Gundams, and I've for years made fun of everyone else that got a live action adaptation of uh, something that was very near and dear to them. And now karma has come my way. However, it really is a blessing and a curse, my friend. However, Jack, the president of Sunrise, uh, Yasuo Miyagawa, is trying to temper people's fears. Uh, he is saying that he, he isn't ignoring fans and critics saying that this will be an actual Gundam movie or it's just going to try and coast on the name and it'll end up being uh, a pile of crap. And, and he yeah. believes that because of the success of the likes of Pacific Rim, great couple of movies, they are, uh, this Absolutely. might work. This might work. Uh, well, David. Sean, uh, I'll, I'll ask you first. Uh, let, yeah. Let's let's go around for a little bit. Sean, uh, how, how are you feeling about this news about the Gundam movie and just these live action adaptations in general? What do you think? Well, first of all, I want to be honest to say my I have no uh, I've never watched the Gundam anime at all. It's one of those that like it's on the to do list of the, oh, all the old animes one. I have to watch. Th that's OK. But, uh, that is OK. You know what, David? But, We've had ourselves some times when I've synopsized to the cows came home. But I think the cow is home now. And I think it might I think maybe it might be important to let us know why. David thinks Gundam is so special while you continue on with the story. Well, uh, m more than just the fact that it's Gundam, uh, just generally live action movies, how so many anime and, and cartoons that are that have some level of popularity, some Hollywood writer thinks it's a good idea to try and do this. Uh, but why, in a nutshell, I think Gundam is cool 
is because one, usually the message is pretty cool. War is bad. People are good. Don't be racist. Don't kill one another. Number yeah, two, along, along giant the board, robots. Gundam, Gundam significantly knows how to blend the coolness of giant robots with humanity. It's it's definitely it's a standard bear, I'd say for gun uh, for mech. It's the one you think of immediately. First off, in a lot of ways, it is, and I have been told that it is compared to another franchise very near and dear to my heart, Star Trek in Japan, because it has the history, the long-going franchise, and it has those messages of peace and understanding of one another uh, through the guise of fighting giant robots. Now, Sean, uh, there have been live-action adaptations, Dragon Ball Evolution, Avatar, Ghost in the Shell, and I think generally... Mario Brothers, which is the only good one of the list. Well, Mortal Kombat was good. Mortal Kombat was good. (laughs) I also liked uh, the... uh... Double Dragon one for all its ridiculousness. Bob Hoskins will not rest in his grave unpraised for his performance in that role because he nearly got lit on fire and dropped to his death multiple times during the filming of that. But we could safely say that not all movies, when it comes to live action adaptations, are Super Mario Brothers from 1996. Keeping it real. Trust the fungus. Yeah, so, I mean, let's be honest. Most live-action adaptations of a lot of things uh, fail uh, for various reasons. Uh, I, I mean, as a person that's a Pacific Rim fan, it sucks knowing the first movie was actually all right. Then they just I've just completely bombed the second movie. So the, I think the only thing that that's good about that and with the Transformers films, even though those are what they are, it shows that in this format, the way that technology is advanced it does allow you to have a cool looking gun to movie so you don't have to worry about that part it's more about getting the story down making sure that it relates i don't know necessarily that you need to cover a story that's been covered in one of the mangas or the animes but as long as they get that figured out you know that the aesthetic part the stuff you're going to be looking at is going to be good so well, well, that's yeah. what I worry about most of the time because the story and let's say the video game adaptations, which is closer to my heart, all of them usually stink because they can't figure out how to take that interactivity and blend in a good story and make it work. The Tomb Raider one should not have been that hard, but somehow they screwed that up too. I, you know, I have it- to admit, guys, I have to admit deep down, the more that I think about this, the more I'm worried. Because what a lot of people may not know, but within the Gundam fandom, there there is something, a deep, dark secret. There actually was a live-action Gundam movie made once before in 1991 oh. called G-Savior. And, well, it's a deep, dark secret in the Gundam fandom for a reason. It's... It's 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 locked away. I, I don't even think it's considered canon anymore. Oh. But but you you raise a great point, Sean, about the fact that we are in an age where things, at least visually, can look the part. Because the Ghost in the Shell movie from 2017 absolutely 100% hit the aesthetics on all the marks. The story, well, I think what though, it is is that people want set pieces when it comes to American cinema. They want these really big CGI crafted environments. And I think anime 
is really good for that with its really distinctive environments and really distinctive character designs and aesthetics you have it right the 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 writing is an afterthought i dare to say for most of these adaptations if not all of them but that really is isn't news to anybody but i i for everything that is being said for this it is promising and i wouldn't mind seeing it in theaters i think that would be a lot of fun well uh, as as a member of the gundam fandom i pretty much have no choice you you don't (laughs) no but then i i did say that about ghost in the shell and ghost in the shell ended up being not terrible so if I if I go in hoping for something not terrible, maybe it won't be so bad. You'll get another ghost in the shell. Well, no, I'm hoping it's stellar. I'm hoping it, it's it's fun in all the right ways, and it's different in the way you know they they play around with it. That you got to make some risks. True. Well. And, speaking and of making th- some risks. Speaking of making some risks, uh, Microsoft uh, is actually looking to maybe take a big risk with their next console. This story, courtesy of the incomparable Mr. Paul Thorat, host of Windows Weekly. Uh, the Xbox console, the, the next Xbox console, may be streaming only. Uh, Sean, you caught this story, courtesy of Paul Thorat, that Microsoft is planning on two different pieces of hardware. Uh, one, a traditional console, and the other, uh, possibly being streaming only. Uh, this, this actually sounds really interesting. I, I, if, if they try this, I'm really interested in what they do. What do you think? Well, I think, for one, Look at what happened with the Xbox One originally. This is kind of what they wanted to do. It was just a little bit too early uh, to do that. And they helped themselves this time by having a much smarter person on on top instead of Don Matrick, who wasn't thinking when he brought this out. Phil Spencer is much more aware of what's going on in the gaming industry. And he understands, and I think everybody understands, that the the the, whole, the United States by itself, not just the world, the United States is not ready for a streaming-only console. We still have many places around, even in big cities, that don't have internet that's capable to be able to run a streaming-only console. Even if you're putting it somewhere else and a lot of the big running part of the system is being put put on a, in, in some weird you know, area somewhere with, with the boxes actually running a small portion of it, it still requires you to be online most of the time. Even though most of the time we are, if you're in a place where internet is, is good, like I am, like I think a lot, you know, both of us are. But I have friends that live in other parts, let's say in, uh, you know, the Washington area, whatever, they don't have the greatest internet over there. And some of them are in big cities. So, you know, I, I think, and that's not too far away from uh, where Microsoft's uh, campus is. So, you know, it, I think it's they've helped themselves by having both consoles come out. But this is going to be interesting to see how much cheaper it is and can they actually make it to work to where, let's say, all of us as being, you know, traditional console people go out and buy a traditional console. But then you try out the streaming console and it actually works. And you go, oh, let me trade in my traditional console and I get to save $100, $200 and, and have all my games digitally or however they're going to do it. I just want to see how it works. 
Uh, I'm going to take a second and put on my Paul Thorat Windows Weekly hat and try, try and get into Microsoft's head a little bit here. Because when I saw this story about Microsoft having a streaming-only device, it made me think of the giant billion-dollar business that Microsoft has called Microsoft Azure. Their, their giant cloud service, which is right up there with Microsoft Office and Windows for them, where they handle a, a lot of their, their cloud computing. Uh, it, they've also got major parts of Xbox Live baked into it. So it makes me think that Microsoft is making a play to all of the big game companies out there, uh, kind of in the same way Sony did a few years ago when they bought that cloud service. Uh, in saying, we're going to take all of the cloud computing in-house, and to the game companies, to the game developers, they want to take all of that and build a giant symbiotic partnership with all of the companies. And at the same time, offer people that, like you said, may not have the best internet an alternative so people that can play uh, the same game, whether you have a physical copy or you're doing it from uh, from the cloud, as it were. I'm. This is kind of crazy, in my opinion, because do you think Microsoft can really sell this after how the launch of the Xbox One really did not go well? And you could even make the case uh, that the Xbox One still hasn't really recovered from the the launch that didn't go as well as they'd hoped. Do you think, Sean? Uh, well, Jack, I'll ask you, do you think they could pull something like this off in the future? I've been dying to talk for like the past uh, couple minutes for this one because literally the only thing that popped into my head was... So they took the PSTV, a much cheaper, very, very small kind of television. And this isn't me going into like Sony versus Microsoft. It's just me saying like they took the very cheap streaming box service that was PSTV and mixed it with PS Now, which is the game streaming service that is a, a, a uh, like PlayStation Plus. It is a service that you can purchase on your Sony device, and it also works on PlayStation TV, I believe. So part of me is just kind of, hmm, just kind of scratching my chin and just thinking in that kind of direction of, yes, I understand that you have this streaming, uh, this service in-house and everything like that. But part of me is thinking that you looked to the sidelines and saw that that was moving some units. That's what I'm thinking of, is that it's it's less of a risk and it really is more of a power move, a more of uh, a move into trying to be uh, a competitor in that sense with the services that uh, Sony provides. At least that's what I'm thinking. But uh, I don't know. I think I could I could be wrong, but that's the first thought that came into my head about this particular situation. And I don't know how it would work because my internet is garbage. So I, I'm a little less excited about this prospect than you two might be. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not entirely excited about it myself uh, because, Sean, I'll ask you, say in five years time, do you think the major console companies will reach a point with 
let's just call it console cloud gaming. Do you think we'll reach the point to where playing a game in the cloud will be as seamless as we're supposed to believe that it can be? Do you think it can happen, Sean? I think it can. Uh, this technology has been out there. It's not It's not anything new. Uh, what Jack is talking about is very archaic. The PSTV was, for the most part, so bad, they had to give those away at Best Buy. <laughs> they, they could not <laughs> sell the them units. because they didn't work very well. It didn't. They, the internet, they didn't, uh, Sony didn't figure that how, how to make it to where they worked well. It was, is a nice novelty if you had a Vita or you had a lot of Vita games, which I can't hate on them for trying to make the Vita work in a TV space because they needed anything to make the D- Vita work. Because Sony themselves weren't uh, promoting the Vita as, as well as they, they should have. But that's so, story. Sorry, Jack. That, that's yeah, Jack's beat. Sorry. Look, look, sorry, I, Jack. I, look, I know, okay? Look, I know. I never tried PSTV, but I did try PS Now, and it was relatively seamless, even when I did have shoddy internet spikes. Uh, so this is a viable thing. And like yeah. you said, the technology is old. Yeah, well, I, I in, think the, in the case of Microsoft, about... in the case of Microsoft, uh, the technology will not be old. So maybe, maybe they've got the right idea. Well, we got to think about this in Microsoft when it comes to the online space. They have been the, at the forefront with that. Xbox Live was the the standard bearer and is still the standard bearer for how you do online gaming. Uh, now, you know, everybody plays on their PCs and stuff like that. But when you think about for consoles, it took a while for Sony to get up to that space. Nintendo is still in their own in their own heads with that. But look at what they've done with Game Pass. Look at what they've been able to do with the backwards compatibility. They are hedging their bets on that. They are continuing this family of systems onto the next one and saying, OK, look, we can give you your 360 games, we can give you your Xbox One games, we can give you Game Pass, where you don't even have to buy the games, you can rent them. And think about what we do with Netflix, right? I think you guys talked about this in a previous show, about how with games, sometimes it's like the last, one of the last messages of, I still want to own that, right? I still want to have that thing. But I think as time goes on, we get five years in the future, let's say this does work, I think we are going to feel more comfortable about, okay, I'll pay 10 bucks and have all these awesome games as a person that reviews games. And some, yeah, sometimes I get codes. Sometimes I don't, you know how nice it is to only have to pay $10 and I don't have to go buy a $60 game. I can review the thing. And if I want to keep game pass cool, if I don't, I don't. And it's the same for the consumer. If there's a game they want to play on there right now, they can pay the 10 bucks, play it, be done with it. If there's nothing there for you beside that, you can cancel it. I think that's a nice service for you to have. And I think it has helped Microsoft's games because State of Decay 2 was one of the top games for the month it came out in. And a lot of people were saying, oh, people are just not going to buy Microsoft's games anymore. And it seems to have had the reverse effect. So if they can hedge their bets with all this and the technology works, this might help Microsoft in the long run. I don't know if they're going to be number one again, but I don't think they're going to be lagging behind Sony like they were this generation. I'm going to ask one quick question to you, Sean, before we move on uh, to Nintendo. Uh, Since you mentioned you're a reviewer, there's something I've always wanted to ask. Are you able to write those games off when you buy them? Uh, I've actually never uh, tried how that works. You know, it depends. I've never actually tried to 
Um, I've used TurboTax the last, I don't know, three or four years. If I actually got with a accountant, I could probably make it work. Uh, one of the websites that I, I technically still work for them, uh, we were able to get it done because he, he used an accountant that kind of works with him, the owner and all that. We were able to write him off, but technically because the website I have is, I technically don't have it as a business. It's just something that that's under my name. I don't want to try to do that. And then I get screwed over on my taxes and, you know, (laughs) so my, my sister has told uh, me, my my sister who is an accountant, she's told me repeatedly to start up an LLC myself. So that, that is something that I'll have to look into as well. So you just just have to find out how to do it. Right. Like the thing is, if you want to do it the official way without getting help, you have to make money from that LLC or they can just go, Oh, you know what? We're not paying for this. And then you get screwed yeah. over. So, right. Right. So, uh, better to err on the side of discretion. Uh, Nintendo, uh, who is all too often uh, going on their own beaten path, has decided that there were a couple of ROM sites out there that they didn't really care for. And they're, they're, sh- they put out the shutdown notice and they're suing for for their money back, uh, Nintendo brought down the hammer. Uh, love Retro and Love ROMs, uh, two popular ROM sites, uh, are being sued by Nintendo for damages of around $150,000 per Nintendo title. Uh, $2 million for each trademark infringement, along with handling over of domain names and sources of their ROMs. Uh, and now Love Roms and Love Retro have basically been shut down indefinitely. Uh, Sean, uh, this is your account. This is your beat. Uh, how are you feeling about this? You saw this story and, uh, well, Nintendo's cracking down on a couple of ROM sites. What do you think? I mean, this is not anything, uh, new for Nintendo, right? I mean, they, they are very specific about their properties. They are the only game company that has a special contract with people that try to stream or make any money off of their games. They are very protective of their licenses. They are the Disney of gaming. Uh, So this doesn't really surprise me so much. I think this is more of a scare tactic than anything. I don't think they're actually going to go through with this. And it seems to have worked because there's no way that this one guy has all that money to fight this. Uh, and, And they know that. So they just went in and put up a bunch of money up front and go, okay, we know you're going to take it down. No big deal. And they did. I think this is eventually just going to go in the trash bin. But I think this guy also kind of overdid it as well. You got to think about, he wasn't just putting the ROMs out there. He's having Nintendo iconography all over the website, which that's a no-no for Nintendo. You have BIOSes for them. It's, you're you're making money off of their ROMs as well. You're you're getting PayPal donations. You're you're getting ad revenue. I think that's and, what and that you know what that was more. similar to uh, just a couple of weeks ago when there was um, a certain particular anime streaming site, Kiss Anime. Uh, mm. They started taking premium memberships. And Jack, uh, we've talked about Kiss Anime before. They Please are support the official release. They are not exactly on the legal side of things, like the crunchy rolls of the world. Right. And now they're taking uh, premium memberships and trying to uh, earn 
revenue from things that they don't actually have the rights or authorization to distribute. I find this amusing that we are talking about this now as I uh, submitted a story about uh, what I've been doing for the week about (laughs) a pirated console of a pirated 22 year old game of of Nintendo's. But I mean, I have an actual cassette of uh, not cassette. uh, Please, Nintendo, uh, don't come after don't come after my co-host, Nintendo, please. (laughs) Like, look, man, how else am I supposed to? We'll we'll get into it. Like, uh, I will get into it because I have to. But like Nintendo, like. If I have it, it's fine, right? <laughs> like if I actually have the game, yeah. If you own the copy, a it's sealed, fine. stolen copy of the game. Yeah, but but I I think you're right about the throwing money at the problem and just kind of letting the guy back off gracefully because like, uh, the 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 steep price of of you know hundreds of thousands of dollars per game. That's a lot of games you have to imagine. You know, thinking of Mario games alone, there's, you know, hundreds. So if you think about however many this guy must have had, it, it's it's sure it's assured that this is going to just kind of murmur into the, you know, the silence. The guy's not going to uh, fight against this kind of thing. That's just, just ridiculous. I think it does say something about Nintendo and hopefully they will figure out what they're going to do as far as how they're going to distribute their old content, because let's be honest, now they've made it harder to obtain their older games. At least with the virtual console, you had the excuse of, well, I don't want to pay $10 for each one of these games, but they're there and I can pay for them. Nintendo had much bigger stakes to say, look, they're there. If you don't want to pay for them, that's your problem. But right now they don't have that. And, uh, you know, as far as we know, Virtual Console is not going to come back in that same, you know, same way. We're hoping that that means they're going to take more of a Game Pass approach. But we'll see you think how that they'll goes put out, right now. Do you think they might put out like another one of those mini classic consoles? Those... you thinking that there's going to be a 64 classic? Because even though I literally have a Nintendo 64, that excites me. That's uh, <laughs> that's a difficult one. I think that's been a rumor for a long time. Uh you know, that they would continue in this process. But the problem is, are you going to do things that you don't normally do with the NES and SNES console and that you're going to have to make controllers available because the 64 is a four person console. Are you going to make, how many controllers are you going to include? (laughs) Are you going to make that controller a possible peripheral again? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, how many games are you going to include? I love the controller. I love that controller too, actually. There's people that hate it, but you know. It, it's surprisingly comfortable with my really? 16 fingers on because my one solitary hand. As someone who grew up with Sega consoles and eventually made his way to the PlayStation, I saw the Nintendo 64 console as just like. It's, it's really. So, what you do is depending on whether or not you're using the D-pad, which is used in some games, mostly Japanese games, or Kirby 64, or you're using the control stick like literally every other game, uh, you'll use your two hands on either the far left and the middle prong or the far right and the middle prong uh, as you control your character. And it's really nice. It's really nice. 
C buttons sometimes are a little annoying. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's the one thing I think that is a problem with that controller. But, you know, even though it's unusual, it works. I know it seems very much like the David, but uh, and, and I felt the same way about uh, the Genesis controller when I had finally gone on around to playing one because I thought six, but nah, not this way, not this way. And then I literally realized it was a fight stick. <laughs> and that was the, the, that was the, the end of the it. Sega, the Sega Genesis six button controller was literally made for Mortal Kombat and nothing else. Like it, it was it's designed true. with Mortal Kombat in mind. And for for every uh, Sega Genesis platformer, all you really needed was the the three button. But if you had the six button, it was a fight stick, and and you could uh, own the zone back in the day. And even then, with like Sonic, the buttons kind of all did the same things. <laughs> it's like. Uh, do we need all these? Oh, yeah. Jack, quick update on Sonic. Give us a quick update. Sonic. So um, I actually went back to my, uh, Sonic Mania for a while, actually, uh, because I have terrible attention span. But also, uh, Sonic Mania had some updates, as you might have seen. And yes, it did. I did my bitching in my kitchen, but I got me some updates. And Mighty is a cool character. And, like, everybody's sleeping on that guy. Everybody's sleeping on these these characters. I know they're not new, but they're, you know, they're, they're new to a generation who did not play Sonic. Literally ever. So, I like them. I like Ray. I like Mighty. And uh, I definitely love me some Sonic Mania. That's as much as I can say. As for now, I'm I'm really I'm really happy to hear song of all time. Yes, yes, I I can tell you, Chemical Plant Zone was the defining song of my childhood. It absolutely was. That that song made me who I am today. I and I had it as my ringtone for many, many a moon. So I'm, uh, I'm glad I'm glad you're enjoying Sonic Mania though, and, and Mighty and Ray in the the Sonic Mania Plus. Uh, Sean, uh, now that I'm getting my Sonic out of my system, uh, have you tried Sonic Mania or or have you checked? Yeah, it out? I have it uh, on my Switch. It's it's a great like return to to the uh, 2D Sonics, and yes, uh, hearing all that soundtrack again just brings back the memories of uh, playing. In uh, in Venezuela or at a friend's house because I didn't have a Genesis. I, a, I was a Nintendo guy. I had Super Nintendo, and then went on to the other Nintendo's uh, systems after that. But every any time I was able to play Sonic, it was always fun. And then getting to play again on the Switch is uh, so much. It's so awesome. I'm I'm glad to know from Jack that the five or ten dollar upgrade is worth it uh, for the characters. So I might uh, invest in that for sure. But yeah, definitely. If you have a Switch and for some reason you haven't bought the Sonic game, go do it. You won't regret it. It's some awesome platforming action. Now, uh, I think it would really work well with the Switch with the, uh, you know, the kind of on the go-ness of Sonic. Now, Sonic never really made it into the portable scene, did he? Um, uh, on, the game game, on the Game Gear, there were a the few game Sonic games. The Game Gear, of course. Yes, mm-hmm. there, there were some Sonic games the on the Game Gear. Gear. <laughs> yeah, I- including the impossibly hard Sonic 2, uh, which was the, the 8-bit Sonic 2, and it was also impossibly hard. So, it's doable. 
you absolutely can. If you have a Switch and want to take Sonic Mania with you, yes. Uh, I've always believed that portable consoles are great for uh, platforming games. because Well, not even just for platforming, but I think that like when it comes to where we have a little bit of a Nintendo versus Sega thing here uh, with our discussions so far, but this is interesting is, you know, there always seems to be kind of a vibe with the certain uh, uh, franchises that you have in mind for Nintendo and Sega. And of course, when you think Sonic, you think this is a game that you're going to pick up and, you know, you're going to feel like you're on the go. You're going to, you know, really be uh, wrapping up some speeds. And it would be a really great portable game for that reason, because of the kind of vibe that those games give. Meanwhile, I can tell you, Jack, Jack, I will say that Sega did put out a machine called the Sega Nomad, which was essentially a one-to-one port of the Genesis. And you would use Genesis cartridges in it. And you want to talk about a battery chewer. Oh, man. And yes, to answer your question about playing Sonic games portably, it it works like charm. Absolutely. That's wonderful. It, because it really feels like it would work well for that. And like when I think of the Switch, I think like... Every time I think of uh, hopping off with the portability at first, I, I the first thought in my mind is never like, oh, I should pick up Mario Odyssey and like go on a grand adventure. Even though exploration is a main thing in Mario Odyssey, I always think Zelda. So it's interesting to me that the get up and go versatility along with, you know, the kind of fun cartoony platforming you would expect from two different uh you know, a series on the Nintendo side, you kind of got that, you know, a combination on the Sega side when it comes to Sonic. And that's what I like about it is that it doesn't feel anything. It does. Sonic doesn't feel like anything else, which is why I enjoy it so much. Uh, have you gone back to Sonic one yet? Sonic one is going to be what is going to come back. Yeah. Sorry. Let me actually rephrase that in words that English people use with actual syntax. I'm going to come back to that after I do the most blasphemous of things and go to the, the little uh, novelty electronic store. I plan on going to tomorrow and getting me a super Nintendo USB controller because I oh. want one anyway for my, for my, uh, my, uh, my adventure that I will continue to talk about later. Uh, but <laughs> the, I think it'd be fun as well to just be like, well, well, you know, the Super Nintendo controller, I'm playing, ooh, I'm playing Sonic on a Super Nintendo controller. Somebody stop me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a hor- I'm a horrible person and I like weird juxtapositions. So I'm, I'm waiting for that sweet, sweet moment before I pick up Sonic again. <laughs> it's all, all been right. Mario RPG for a while. Well, Jack, <laughs> if you do decide to tap out on Sonic 1 and, and head to Sonic 2, it's okay. <laughs> Sonic 1 was definitely a work in progress that was refined with Sonic 2. So so if you I'm decide to tap Marble out, Zone. yeah, I, I understand. Marble, Marble Zone was, was a slog. It was. Marbles. 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 You're, you're not out of the realm of the norm on that one at all. So if if you decide... That that you've had enough, and Spring Yard Zone isn't worth it. It's okay. It's okay. Spring Yard is quite the doozy. Well, we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, Nintendo what? will 
sue this guy for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yes, they will. <laughs> uh, Jesus. What quick run around on this one since we're talking with yeah, I'll use words since we were talking about live action adaptations earlier. Uh, one quick one. We saw another trailer for the upcoming Battle Angel Alita movie. Uh, put this in the doc. Uh, Sean, uh, did you check this trailer out? And how are you feeling about uh, Battle Angel Alita? How's this looking for you? Uh, I think it looks cool. I just, uh, I'd never really until they started making, you know, announcements about there being a movie. I'd never read the manga. So this was just me watching, you know, trailers for this movie and learning uh, what this is. I think the, it's going to be interesting for people that both un- know it and don't and how they deal with that. Uh, the thing with the eyes is a little, <laughs> it's a little crazy, but the action oh, looks yeah, really yeah. cool. I, I liked, uh, I liked the action. I liked the uh, story bits that were in there. This seems interesting. I might want to go check it out. Uh, Jack, uh, we've been keeping uh, relatively normal sized eyes on Battle Angel Alita <laughs> since since this came out. Uh how do you feel when you saw this trailer? It, it's it's very pretty. And you know that gets me hyphy. Uh, the eyes All right. Is it is it Jack's turn to be a little bit of a picky asshole artist because I think it's go, time go for ahead. Jack to be a little bit of a picky asshole artist. I didn't go, go ahead, all Jack. the way out when I when I bitched a little bit about OKKO. OK <laughs> The eyes are the focus of your face. They're going to be where you look, no matter what. Sure, you're going to look at the mouth. You're going to be reading lips. You're going to be looking at the nose. You're going to be checking those facial expressions. But when you look at the face, you will see those eyes. You will immediately know that something is wrong with those eyes. The uncanny valley. But the action, that that is... Again, I think that comes back around to what I was saying earlier about speculation when it comes to the Gundam movie, is that set pieces, it's going to be there. The look is going to be fine, aside from the obvious. And I'm pumped, because Space Alita is a little bit of one of those things. It's a diamond in the rough. Wouldn't you say so, David? Uh, I would. Uh, no secret to regular a, listeners of the podcast. Uh, this is my aesthetic, as the kids like to say. I, I am pro eyes because I love Uncanny Valley that is clearly conscious and by design. When Uncanny Valley's sci-fi is done with the purpose of making the viewer uncomfortable, I love it. I love that kind of thing. Uh, I love anything that is alien to normal human aesthetics and is made to remind you this is alien, this is different, this is not normal. And the whole point of Alita is that she's not normal. She's something very, very different. And I dig it. And I'm trying to temper my expectations. But but you're excited. the more the more I see of it, the more I feel like this might just be okay. I, I feel better about the Alita movie than I do the Mobile Suit Gundam movie, and I feel better about Alita than I do Ghost in the Shell. 
So well, Alita's still more work. underground, I think. Like, even though Alita is something that is so near and dear to so many people's retro seeking hearts, it's not Gundam. It's not no. a genre defining, like, instant flagship piece of we're making the Gundam movie. No, they're just like, hey, we're making a movie about Space Angel Alita. It's different. Entirely different. But that being yeah, I said, think it's more of a more we're happy about. that it's there and getting a movie instead of Gundam where you're like, oh, my God, there's been so much of it. That's like, can, can we please let go of the teat <laughs> as opposed to, wow, the teat's getting some mm. <laughs> the teat, the, the the small and uh, and and off or looked teat that is Alita. And I think I need to stop making turns of phrases for the day. Do you, do you wanna? <laughs> With that being said, do you wanna talk music then, Jack? Why don't we talk about us some music? <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a story here uh, that there is a streaming service for music called Anuta A N I U T T A uh, that is specifically for anime and Japanese music uh, that will be now available in the United States. Uh, if you're listening to this, it's probably already available because it will be available in the U.S. on August 1st. So if you're listening to this, uh, it's probably already out there. Uh, as it says from the article from ANN, it will be around 600 yen in Japan, which is 499 U.S. per month. So it's already less than the Spotify's of the world. Uh, songs will stream at 320. 320 kbps which is pretty close to great quality it's it's about as good as most mp3s can get and users will be able to have up to a thousand songs uh, in their online library now we know a lot of anime fans have way more than that but that's a really good start and with those quality of mp3s and not only that they'll be 100% legal uh, from various japanese record labels and media companies uh jack i got to say this actually on paper sounds pretty cool especially when i saw the story and saw how many record labels were involved with this i was pretty impressed jack what do you think Oh, I mean, any time that I pick up a banging new anime, I definitely want to get my hands on the full opening and ending themes. Not that minute and a half shit. I need me the full thing, baby. And this would be the number one place to look for that kind of a service. Like, hey, here's all the anime that came out this last season. Uh, here's a playlist of all the openings and endings. That would be amazing. I'm fairly certain that's like a no-brainer. That's part of the service. I would love to see that because that's definitely my first thought. Like, move towards there and then get to the specific uh, artists like Addington Boys and stuff like that. Like, A-okay by me. And you're right. It is five bucks. And along with me being a kind of a college student, we'll just keep saying that I am for the time being <laughs> until the paperwork changes. Who's to say? Then it is about the same as my student uh, price Spotify. So, you know, it's good. It's It, it sounds like a good product. And I'm uh, excited. Sean, Sean, how do you feel about this? This is actually something that, at least in the anime space, is brand, brand new. Um what do you think? Uh, this is great. As somebody that uh, enjoys 
uh, listening to anime songs. I have my, you know, YouTube playlist that I put on, you know, every, at least once a day. And like, it's cool that you can support them legally. That's my number one thing is like being able to support these, these companies legally with this so that you can get these, you know, cause sometimes as cool as it is, like Jack says, to be able to find that full version of that song or, you know, uh, like with some of the Dragon Ball uh, super endings because they had so freaking many. I've actually wound up liking that artist after listening <laughs> to that song. So it's hard to find those full endings. Sometimes you have to wait, like, you know, months after the anime ends for exactly. that full song to appear. And it's cool that you can have that possibly as soon as it starts on August 1st. And for five bucks, that's a steal right there to have that many companies involved from the word go for five bucks. I don't think you can beat that. I mean, I was I was expecting, oh, here's 10 bucks like Spotify. Here's 10 bucks like the other, you know, companies. I think they're smart in knowing that, look, this is a niche audience. Most of the streaming services cost some, you know, Crunchyroll, uh, Funimation, they cost in that six, seven dollar range. So let's not think that. People are going to all of a sudden, there's going to be this explosion of people buying this. This is going to be that same niche audience buying that. It's the same as, you know, what High Dive costs, $4.99. And it's going to have a lot of stuff, and it's well worth it. I'm, I'm excited for a couple days here to try out the service and see if it uh, lives up to what we're hoping. If there is a smart person that works at this company, they're going to reach out to the crunchy rolls and the high dives of the world and look for some kind of way to get involved with them to do some kind of deal where if you sign up with crunchy roll, you also get a free month trial of any Utah. And this will definitely get them in front of lots of people. And especially at $4.99 a month, it, I I think a lot of anime fans would be completely okay with this, especially since it'll be in the cloud and they can take it wherever they want. And, you know, there are, if you're a regular of anime conventions, you'll see where they have karaoke competitions or, or just yeah. karaoke at anime cons. And this will make finding your favorite song from an anime to do karaoke that much easier. And You'll know the song for once. Right. Nani shina kamite. Nani shina kamite. Kamite. What comes after that? There's. Chala. Hey, Chala. I don't know the rest of the words. <laughs> yeah. It's exact. This- it's exactly the same whether it's in English or Japanese, man. You know, like people, they'll know the chorus, and then they're like, "Oh, yeah. we're halfway there." Oh, but especially once you get that second verse, and you're like, "Oh my god, I never got past this." Yeah, because yeah. oh, all you so- ever did was watch the anime like a scrub. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you too have tried the Pokemon theme in karaoke, have you? Oh no. God. It, let's all let's all take a moment with mutually assured embarrassment and all take a moment of silence to realize we all did that at karaoke. Yep. Oh, we yeah. We all go to that TV theme. We all go to the Pokemon theme thinking, ah, oh, it's the same. <laughs> and everyone struggles through the second verse. Everyone does. Well, now you don't have to travel across the land and search far and wide to find 
quality music for that anime experience that you desire. You big giant weeb. <laughs> and hey, <laughs> you're doing it legally. You're please yes. supporting the official release. Look at you. Look now, at you going all legal and legit. Mr. Weeb no. or Ms. Weeb or wherever you may lie. You're, you're My, supporting uh, the official release. Good for you. Now, I definitely like me supporting, supporting the official release. And I have gone deep down my ways, David. Uh, I've gone through various import sites to get uh, CDs of some artists that I was interested in. Can't tell you how pumped I am. I'm hoping this is a good service. But at the same time, I'm going to be a little bit cautious because I'm always cautious about phone services. And I'm definitely cautious about stuff I'm going to be paying for. So I'm going to be keeping a little bit. uh, I'm going to be lagging a little bit behind uh, the first come, first see and see what they have to do with it first, and see how how that goes. But it's Agreed. definitely exciting. I'll give you a report. Thank you. Awesome. Very we'll look for it. Uh, okay, well, while we're waiting on that, there actually is still some anime coming out. It's the summer 2018 season, and uh, Sean, uh, Jack, I-, I don't know if you've caught up yet, but Sean and I, I, I noticed that so far there have been, at least through the fandom, about two shows that have really caught everyone's attention. And, and Sean, I- I'll let you go on in a second, but two shows that I know that have caught everyone's attention uh cells at work and banana fish Uh, (laughs) every time every time (laughs) it's like i understand okay i do but i also don't They actually do explain it in the show and in the manga. I'm sure they do, and I'm looking forward to it. And it's still a good looking anime, and I gotta get I gotta get me onto some of that because I definitely like this kind of genre. Uh, It is on Amazon uh, for everyone out there. Banana Fish is on Amazon. Uh, How are you feeling about Banana Fish so far, Sean? I'm I'm really digging it. Yeah, uh, it's it's really good. It's the action is uh, when they. You know, when Ash does his kicks and the shooting and all that's uh, pretty uh, fantastic. There's some heavy themes in here, too. So you got to be careful. That's not uh, it's it's one that, you know, I have to be careful when uh, my if my daughter walks in the room. It's not not one you want to watch around kids no. or people that uh, are not about having heavy themes in their their cartoons because uh, that is there. I think sometimes it's a little bit too much as far as like. They go back to that well uh, one too many times. I'm hoping that, you know, they're through episode four and it's been that case almost every time. So I'm hoping that it changes a little bit throughout the rest of the series. Uh, Um, There are some moments in in prison, in a jail, Jack. Yeah, I mean, that's understandable. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. Some Uh, things happen. Oh, well, that's. uh, Oh, oh, dear. But Uh, uh, my my young gay ears. Oopsie daisy. The the um, the. The relationships between like Ash and Edgy, and then his his compa- uh, you know his compadres and his crew are uh, pretty awesome. So uh, I think the contrast between Ash and Edgy is is very well uh, done too. So I've been enjoying almost everything about uh, about this one. I do like there, the look the, of it visually. There is one thing uh, about the visuals that I've really really loved, and that 
the anime takes place in New York City, and the characters look Western, and they are extremely well done uh, for uh, not just on an anime, but just in general. The characters all look like Western characters. There are black characters, there are white characters, there are brown skin characters, and it's all really well done. Uh, and for, for an anime, that's just outstanding. And Yeah, your white visuals... people and your Asians are going to look the same <laughs> yeah. most of the time. Not in Banana Fish, though. Not in Banana yeah, Fish. Thank goodness. And the visuals and of New York artist, City... And as an artist, I can say that drawing various various uh racial uh features and everything like that like just subtle stuff like not like everybody's got big noses big, but like drawing those different subtle features is a lot of work and for a japanese anime studio that's gonna give me some extra kudos but yes the look is really good sorry and go on, David. I-, I was just going to say visually i think they did a really good job with new york city as well I think they they made New York City look really nice as well. I do wish they would have cut some more of the eighty stuff that's in the manga that they took out for the show. Because I'm a big it fan does of the look 80s, more like so, it does yeah. look more like a modern show rather than the the manga being in the eighties. It does look more modern. They kept a lot of the the diatribe from the eighties though, so it's a little yeah, it's a little juxtaposed as far as that goes. You know, if I could make maybe a small guesstimate why, there's a ton of mangas that kind of had a very similar kind of pastiche, and I'm not sure um, entirely how the manga is of Banana Fish to say, per se, but I know that a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, and definitely a lot of stuff in my library, because like I said, that's the kind of genre I like, uh, is tended to be around the same kind of era. Was the manga from the eighties? Is that why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you got yeah, you got like this big sedimentary rock layer of like all these eighties shows of this kind of this kind of content. So that doesn't surprise me in the very least. Uh that maybe they were like, oh, you know what? Oversaturation, you know, they can read the mangas of those if they want to see that. We're gonna kinda tweak it a little bit. That's my own thought anyway. Uh, uh the well, other it show. Exciting. It is. It really is. Uh, equally exciting is the other show that I think has really taken off this season. And as I said earlier, there's going to be a lot of cosplay for this show. This show is going to have lots. It's of already cosplay. has a stage play. I, I found. I definitely found my uh, old white uh, Nazaru for the the white blood selling. It will happen, and <laughs> I, I might be and, I might be convincing a certain cosplayer I may or may not have plugged on this particular podcast to uh, maybe possibly cosplay Macrophage. I, I have been <laughs> thinking about doing T Commander myself from that Cells would at be Work uh, because I I st- I still have my medals from when I was in the Air Force, uh, and Ooh. I can find like the the uh, shoulder. Uh, epulets, that's what they're called, epulets. And yes. a white shirt, no problem. So I could definitely see T Commander as a potential cosplay. Uh, so Sean, yes, yeah, sells at work. The show's really taken off. And I have to say, I have a new favorite character, but what are you thinking about sells at work so far? Uh, coming from a family that my dad's a doctor, my sister is a doctor. 
I was the one that didn't go <laughs> in that direction. Uh, it's it's uh, really cool that they got all of the scientific stuff uh, down. Episode four goes way probably too hard into that. Like it's a lot of stuff to read, but you know it's it's awesome to have that. Just the characters really do give you that feeling of that's what you know your body is doing and we know what's happening inside you in a way you know y'all you've talked about osmosis people are gonna make that osmosis jones comparison this is way better than osmosis jones ever tried to be it gets the science stuff down and it gets like the fun stuff with the action down i mean it's it's gonna be uh you know if it wasn't for attack on titan being here this season this is the show that everybody would be talking about and might still be the best one of this entire season. And if it's not up for, you know, at the Crunchyroll Awards for one of the best of the year, I don't know what's going on. Cause this just in the four episodes that have been around, it's fantastic. It, it nails it on like every level. Now Agreed. there was a, there was another little show that was like this. And I think I made this uh, comment either to friends or maybe on the podcast. Uh, I talk a lot, so, you know, uh, but, there was another little show that was informative and fun and personified a concept while it spoke to you about it. And I would say that one was also very fun, even if it does have a bit of a reputation. And I immediately saw somebody today have a tweet that was basically the same thought as I had, as that this show, Cells at Work, is going to be the new I got to bring anime into show to my school. So yes. instead of instead yeah. of what it used to be, right, this was a little after my time, but I know some kids when I got out of high school were trying to bring Hitalia into their history classes. Yeah. And that was a very mm-hmm. similar kind of show. I think when Japan gets gets a couple of like artists and, you know, people who know a little bit about some uh some fun topics they get themselves a kind of drunk it's like drunk history but instead of drunk history it's drunk anime where you go off the walls and make everything really insane and anime and tropey while also talking about basic biological concepts and all that being said and i've just noticed this really huge cut that's slowly healing on my thumb my plates are working so hard yeah imagine i just want to say that with with episode four, I have discovered my favorite character in this show. Yes, uh, and I'm talking about Basophil, the Basophilic cell. Oh, and yes. I loved no this idea. guy. He he was doing these serious monologues about yeah. the the nature of <laughs> biological existence and the the glory of battle against the evil viruses uh, taking down infections and there was a a lot of it that didn't really make a lot of sense because this is a cell that is not completely understood yet and i i loved this character so much like i i know I love people love cell too it was like what what do you like she's freaking out every time he says something and it's like, oh, uh, man. <laughs> if, not, if not the T-Commander, I might cosplay the Basophil. I might. Uh, that, that would I, be a I, lot of fun. You're going to have a lot of the Basophil, because you could, he's, you know, looks like a ninja, so people are going to love doing doing that. Yes, th- there will probably be like a, a Naruto Basophil crossover cosplay. 
I won't I go can that s- far. Now I can say there are ingredients that that make something a runaway hit in the cosplay community. And I think if you have something that is simple to recognize, simple to make, it's graphically striking. You know, the colors are really, really bright and very varied for all of the uh, characters. And uh, you can definitely bring a lot of people in groups of the same costume. That's like a surefire win right there for conventions. And I don't think it took even a month of us talking about Agretzico and Cells at Work for each of these shows to have massive cosplay followings out there in the conventions. Definitely excited to bring my own in there. I've got some red blood cell and white blood cell stuff going on. And like I said, the macrophage uh, apron is killing us already. <laughs> I mean, but, they even introduced zombies. So there's that for those people. I, yeah. Man, I, it, it's easy. It is easy peasy, lemon squeezy to get yourself a nice, nice, fun, easy cosplay. And you get to be part of something fun and educational. Oh, man, now, I'm just imagining people are going to bring their pe- kids. They're going to bring the parents are going to bring their kids and they're going to dress them up as platelets. I'm oh, God, yeah. Yes. Well, Sh- Sean, let me ask you, cells uh, at work. Is it OK for the kids? Do you think? D- do you think? I It depends, right? Like, I don't think it's for like the small kids. I think uh, it's for you, like young it, adults. I think I think if your kid is like around mine's age, like seven or eight. I think they can, they can deal with it. It gives uh, you the raunchy action that anime delivers with some fun Wikipedia work. Yeah, and there's no fan service. So you don't have to worry about that. It's just, yeah. um, I mean, you do have like the crazy anime stuff in there, which is fine. And then you know they have fun stuff and the the interactions with the the red blood cell, white blood cell, and. And uh, some of the stories are like the one from episode four was really I think that's good for kids. Yeah. Uh, how the Esophil like overcame eventually like that's good. You know, I think that's good for them. It, it's a good balance, I think, overall of the kind of tone that you want to reach with this kind of show that would make it good for kids. It's a smash uh, hit either way. It, it is, and and I think this is going to be the the big hit of this season. Um, Sean, I want to ask you. Uh, I know Attack on Titan just came back. Uh, I only caught episode one. Uh, how is it so far? What do you think so far? I, I really I enjoyed most. I mean, it's it's only another episode, right? So you're not missing too much. I think it's the what it presents. In the whole, okay, well, now there's another enemy that's not just the Titans, right? And what that opens the door for them to feel emotionally, what they have to deal with. Uh, you know, there's hints that are dropped uh, in the episode two that now lead on into what the rest of this, you know, this arc will focus on. Uh, there seems to be more politics as well in, in this arc, too. So, there's a lot going on, and I'm interested. and And they went action heavy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a, you know, I also uh, watch wrestling here, especially the the New Japan. So the ending of the first one, where he just goes Kenny, I'm like, oh my god, I feel like I'm I should be watching like Kenny Omega just show up there and do something. But uh, <laughs> you know, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion Kenny Omega, the the best bout machine. <laughs> yes, indeed. 
Um, so, so far, okay, I'll, I'll get caught up with Attack on Titan, but there was another show in your list that I noticed that I, I'm calling my out of my comfort zone special, Sean. So I'm going to ask you, how are you feeling about how to kind of receive? How are you feeling about that show? Until episode four, <laughs> I was feeling okay about it. They really ramped up the fan service in episode four. Oh, um, really? Because I have not caught yeah, episode four yet. Cause... They ramped it up a lot. Oh, so, um, cause they, it's a, I think part of it's about them. Uh, I watch so many of these summer shows, uh, back to back. Sometimes some of it goes blurry, oh, but dear. I think yeah. the, uh, I think part of it is they're, tr- they're trying to get the matching swimsuits. So God, part of the episode mm. is them being in the, you know, in there getting putting swimsuits on, and it's the two blonde girls, and then uh, see, the two I, I, had, I was saying to myself, yeah. like, okay, episode three, they were stretching the fan service a little yeah. bit. I can kind of let it go. Oh, David, you've got to watch. Yeah, watch it. You've got to keep watching. You've got to. The first, oh. the first two episodes, they did a really good job of not <laughs> not doing that so much. They focused a lot more on the her story and 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 like you know the interaction with the and then the whole her trying to learn volleyball. Then they really kind of like you said, David. Just three was starting to get. It's like, uh oh, looks like this is turning yeah. into what you would it's expect. Turning into one of those. Yeah. Well, if you need a reprieve. And you don't have a lot of time, and you definitely want to watch some cute girls doing sports, but you don't want any of that gratuitous shit. Uh, really tiny, short episodes of this anime that I realized that I'd actually been watching uh, called Tech You. It's about nine seasons strong, but they're all about four-minute episodes. And uh, that'll get the bad taste out of your mouth because they're all playing tennis and being cute. And not actually playing tennis. It actually has nothing to do with tennis. I can't prepare you for this show, actually. <laughs> Just watch it. It's four minutes long and it'll get the it'll get that out of your mouth. You See, won't have I, to receive anymore. I don't mind the sport of it. I don't mind yeah. the actual volleyball and the sport. That right. that's actually cool. Yes. Like, volleyball I, is I very I won't turn away a sports anime. I, I certainly won't if it's if it's good, if it's interesting. But it, they seem to be going in another direction. So, uh, who would yeah. I mean, maybe it's just that episode. You want to get in the benefit of the doubt, but I don't know. There was there was a lot more than in the previous three I, episodes. I like to give every anime four episodes. I give it four. And four if what you're saying, if what you're saying about episode four is true, we we might be putting Harukana receive on on the prison school list. Uh, you might have something of... to say about it, won't you? Oh, <laughs> you damn right I will. You damn I right. I don't know if it's going to get to like prison school levels. But, uh, I would say if you like a sports anime that's out for this season, Hambados or Hambado is really good. It does not have the fan service. Uh, it's that's very the, that's emotional. The, um, that's the, the one badminton. about the badminton one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's It's very emotional, though. So, uh, the main character goes through some, some stuff. So it's not all peachy and about her and, and about just badminton. It does get like very hardcore into the badminton too, but yeah, you just, um, cool. 
Yeah. And, and that's very rare, too, because most anime, if they go that route, they tend to go to tennis. A lot of animes that have that a lot kind of, of tennis anime situation. You know, mm-hmm. been a lot uh, of t- anime about tennis. One of my years. favorite, one of my favorite uh, shoujo animes uh, featured tennis just by random chance. They were going to do hockey, and I would love to see more hockey related anime because I can't think of one off the top of my head. Listeners out there, oh. what kind of anime would you like to see? What kind of sports? I'm thinking curling. Curling. <laughs> I love why, curling. Why don't we I just do know all... how to curl? <laughs> Jack, I, I got it. We have an anime starring a 16-year-old girl who is half Japanese and half Canadian who wants to do hockey and curling. How about that? And she wrestles on the side like they all do in Moose County. <laughs> I only know that because I actually played a hockey player who also wrestled and the joke was that he shrank so he couldn't wrestle anymore and i'm really small and it's not funny stop laughing at me <laughs> well all it's that okay, nonsense Jack. being said it's okay there's uh, so I'm much ask, anime to watch th- there is one more show this season uh, sean that i wanted to ask you about that i have not caught yet but it seems to be getting a lot of attention uh, tell me about planet with sean tell me about that one so this this uh, anime is like uh it's a, like Power Rangers with like sci-fi stuff um and it also has weird things like a cat is your sensei and uh, a dog is involved with uh trying to stop the world from getting taken over <laughs> it's so it's a very uh, so, show Yeah it's it's got like good action I thought like the 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 action is very well animated. The interesting thing is that technically the main character is the villain. So mm-hmm. he it sort of makes you feel there is a part where you end up sort of questioning, like, should you feel bad for him or should you not? And then you have these other characters that are sort of like I mentioned, like sort of Power Rangers, you know, Voltron type. They have the these these power armors, these like psychic power armors that they control. And it's like a squad of five. And there's a secret that's actually uh, the lead, the guy that's in charge of them uh, actually has a, a secret that uh, isn't so great that when you watch the show, you'll you'll realize and it kind of turns everything on its head. So like the final episode that they've gotten to, I think is episode four, it, it lets you know, it lets you in on that twist and changes things. So um, yeah, it's, you know, you do have the, the girl in the maid outfit. So you have the fan service there and it has weird fan service with the cat. Uh, like some, there's some random shots of like action figures where they have like the skirt up. And uh, I'm just like, of all the fan service, well, some action figures, but all right. I mean, Japan's got a lot of practice. <sighs> Ew. Gross. But that's, very, you know, this is kind of sounded a little bit like it's hitting the same kind of story beats as uh overlord. And that was pretty, that kind of ran away with a lot of people's interest who were tired of Sword Art Online. So this might, this, this could be promising. I'm looking at some pictures and I'm, my attention, you have my attention. Oh, hey now. This is me kind of going, 
interest am I going to watch an anime in the current season aside from cells at work? Hmm. And take you. That's two. That's two. That's two whole animes right there. Yeah, that's that's new for you, Jack. That's new. <laughs> I'm actually watching anime while it's coming out. This is bizarre. Keep keeping well, up with the seasonals. My roll. There you go. That's right. I got, uh, I got my Crunchyroll se- se- uh, service for a reason. Jack, you mentioned Mario RPG a little bit earlier. <laughs> yes. So, so, so I th- this caught my attention. What's going on? So um. There is a Super Nintendo game called Super Mario RPG, and it is one of my favorite games, if not my favorite game of all time. It's uh, If you want to talk about game vibe like I was talking about earlier, this is the game that you can spend your whole summer with and never be tired of. It's really great that it's a legendary collaborative effort from Super Nintendo, Nintendo and uh, Squaresoft back when they were just Square. Good stuff. I'm playing a randomizer on my computer, which is why the aforementioned illegal copy of the ROM has to be on here. Don't sue me, Nintendo. Uh, so I can alter the ROM to change. Let me get the list here because it's a lot of stuff. Okay. I've got item prices, item effects, stats, base stats, equips, spells, spell stats, and the skills that you learn at each level uh, are also randomly assigned to people. So it's literally a different game than the vanilla game, which I played to pieces at this point. So, of course, it's the only way I can keep playing a game that I've played a million times before. But let me just bring you through a little bit of my journey. I've only played uh, through the first star so far uh, using my speedrunning techniques. And there are seven stars, as the title suggests. And... (laughs) So there's a really easy spell early on called uh, Thunderbolt, and it's just two MP to use. It's really easy, gets you through a lot really early on, and it attacks all as opposed to one. Uh, Mario learned that by default. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I went back after I, uh, I, I game overed really quickly and changed my file name to Thor. <laughs> <laughs> and proceeded to lay waste everything but then i realized that was just you know it was too easy and it was too boring so once i got my second party member uh everyone's favorite nintendo character mallow the marshmallow i mean sorry the tadpole shit <clears throat> 22 year old game spoilers uh <laughs> i gave him all the equips that i could find at the earliest shops at my convenience and all that they had were gigantic, whoa, holy fuck, expensive black mage Bowser equips. Uh, so I'm walking around with Mario the God of Thunder and Purple Bowser, basically. And everybody's just dying at my feet at a touch. <laughs> but when we get to uh when we get to a mini boss or a boss, their uh magic attack when they perform a spell is so much higher than my one magic defense that both of my characters share. So it's been a time. Uh, Highly recommend check it out if you guys are interested in it. Mario RPG Randomizer. Uh, Jack, did you play Mario Maker? Did you play Mario Maker? I did play Mario Maker, and uh, that was actually one of the regular things that I keep an eye on for when uh, when the event comes up on GDQ. Because people go bonkers. 
I can't <laughs> imagine trying to do. How do you do a GDQ run of some of those levels in Mario? Some Maker? of those levels are nuts. Oh yeah. <laughs> There is actually a uh, single-player campaign that you can do on the 3DS version of Mario Maker where there are 100 levels crafted by the people who said, well, if you think you can do it, why don't you go ahead and try if you're so goddamn smart, said, now it's our turn, and made 100 levels with their own software that they know now after years and years of that port being made, how to exploit everything thanks to the fans. <laughs> it's a that, that nightmare. Sounds, that sounds terrifying. I, I feel like we might have to end it on that terrifying note. Just the thought of doing a hundred levels worth of Mario Maker and, and, and some of those levels that were impossibly crazy hard. And yeah, definitely check is, out the GDQ stuff. It's crazy. Is, does Mario RPG Randomizer have anything on that level? Uh... It does if you equate it from platforming to RPG fights. I spent seven hours on the first mini boss because of the aforementioned magic defense stat being literally one. And when I leveled up to level three, all of the points that I had put towards my magic defense still all mounted to all of three. It's uh, it- it's it's a steep hill to climb even if you do get killy with a touch immediately i've uh i started this because a friend of mine who uh told me about it uh told me that they had started with the hardest spell in the game the the spell that basically just does 9999 damage if you do proper execution except for on bosses uh he started with that so he didn't start with like the easy kill you with a touch if you like learn it early spell he learned i beat the game until I get to a boss spell immediately. And the sprites do some pretty fun stuff too. So if you're looking for some visual tantalization, you may not see something swift and smooth and uh, covered in grace and kinetic energy like the Mario Maker levels, but you will get characters turning into other character sprites when they have various spells and equips. And uh, they really, really try hard to not turn into those characters. So it's it's a sight because everything's pre-rendered in this game, which is kind of a guilty pleasure of mine when it comes to visual graphics. Like, they're so dated, but they look so fun. I love pre-rendered stuff. So I would give it a shot. Um, Mario uh, RPG Randomizer. It's the first page that shows up. Uh, that stuff's free to download. And then you can take your unofficial release. Uh, however you may come across it. But this is just the randomizing stuff, the ingredients to go in and screw with your own copy of the ROM. So you have to go and deal with that sort of detail all on your own. But Mario Randomizer, very fun. And if you're looking for a fun RPG uh, challenge, this might be the thing you might want to pick up if you've played all the new stuff or are waiting for the next Bravely Default. Well, let's keep it with RPGs and let's take it home. Uh, Sean, I know you've been playing Octopath Traveler. We talked about it on the last podcast with Tim Retray. How are you feeling about Octopath Traveler? This one's been getting a lot of buzz. How are you feeling about it? I, I mean, it's a, it's a really great ode to the old RPGs of the SNES era. Um, I think it depends on you, right? If Because the battle system's great. The aforementioned Bravely Default takes a lot. Uh, the battle system takes a lot from that game. 
uh, in as far as you know the breakpoints and and then raising up your holding your attack until you get to the highest level to decide what you want to do with that and uh, the characters themselves don't interact with each other uh, so uh, you fight boss battles together and they then they act like they they never fought them together <laughs> so that's the only thing that's a problem is that if you want this like you know your normal RPG story that's all these people on an adventure, you're not going to get that. And it's going to be interesting because there's probably going to be an Octopath Traveler 2 now that it's been selling ridiculous numbers. If Square can somehow weave it into, oh, we meant to do that. And then number two winds up being the uh, the big giant story that everybody uh, loves from from the you know normal uh, RPG games. But honestly, the stories individually are good. They are well worth uh, checking out. The only problem I had is that you have to go through everybody's chapter one before you can get to their chapter two, before you get to their chapter three. So some of them are not as good as the others. And you're kind of like, man, I wish I could just go through that one character story all the way. And then if I want to go back, you know, I can. But there's also the whole grinding aspect that makes it to where you at least need to have four of them around the same level. You're going to have a problem with the, the bosses, especially that could take a long time. Uh, but honestly, it's it's a really, really good game. Uh, I think it depends on how much that story issue is a problem for you and also how much you notice how the dungeons can wind up being the same. Especially, you know, if you're you're playing through these stories one by one, you can notice that a lot more. If the battle system is so good for you that you don't care about that stuff, I think it's going to be higher on your list of how great it is. So it just depends on on that front but it is a really good game it deserves all the the attention it's been getting and especially because the switch doesn't have that kind of game uh honestly other than you know east 8 and that has its own problems and that's not even a turn base it's it's action oriented so you know for what's funny is square keeps saying oh bravely defaults octopath travelers you know they don't make a lot of money and then they come out and they make a lot of money and you go so when are you guys gonna you know, maybe give people a, a Final Fantasy back in 2D or something, or or just just take a different, you know, to put your own spin on that and say, okay, here's another another series, and understand that just because the Tokyo RPG Factory games, you know, the Lost Spheres, the I Am Setsunas are not that good, doesn't mean that people don't want these kind of games. They really do. Just uh, hopefully, you know, that that lets them know that, you know, maybe. Uh, Maybe you should make more of these. Maybe they should. And Sean, it sounds like you might be getting ready to maybe do a review on this. And if if you might, where can we find it? Uh, on WTMNet.com. That's where I do all of uh, my reviews and my, my staff's reviews as well. I have a staff that I manage and they are all terrific people, all have their own uh, personalities. One of them is a big streamer, likes to do Overwatch and Fortnite and all that. And another one just, you know, he likes playing Yakuza and uh, other, you know, his Persona games and all that stuff. And it's it's <laughs> really cool to have the varied people that you get to talk to uh, every day. And it's it's not a huge site. We don't do a whole lot aside from like game reviews. We do some wrestling stuff, but that's some of my wrestling people have been going through some stuff. So that's kind of died down a bit. Uh, football season is about to start, so that'll ramp that back up. I just had to do a podcast for every game of the World Cup 
when that was on. So that took away some of my having to do stuff for the side as well. So, you know, when I literally do a podcast, probably most nights of the week on something. So, you know, if you're not uh, reading stuff on W2Net.com, if you subscribe to W2Net where you get everything we do, um, our my baby, the one that started all wrestling to the max, which is why the site has that name, is about to be six years old in a month. And we, you know, my uh, my best friend that does the show with me, he just uh, got through, you know, him and his wife just had twins. So we finally got to go back to to doing the show again. And, you know, we, we would be going through the G1 right now, but because of the World Cup, I kind of was like, I have one tournament. Another tournament, I'll just watch it when it's finally over and I can pick through the great matches. I'm, because, I'm literally yeah. just waiting until the, the semifinals and the finals of the G1, honestly. It's because it's like, it's a grind. Like, I've done that every other year except for this one is to watch all the matches and to watch all the shows. And by the end, you're exhausted just like they are. And, and like, yeah. One more thing before we wrap up, Sean, and, and everyone check out W2Mnet.com and, and video games to the max. Are you a fan of Lucha Underground, Sean? Yeah, I'm a little behind on it. I watched like the first four episodes all as right. they were coming yeah. out. And then uh, I've kind of got a little behind. So, but yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed that show. Um, that, that, I'm, Lucha Underground yeah. is kind of like my life in the last few years as far as wrestling goes. I've been more than a little burnt out, but Lucha Underground still has a place in my heart. But Sean, uh, I'm definitely, we're definitely going to talk wrestling in the future. Definitely. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on A Plus. It's been great to have you. Well, yeah, thank seriously. you for having me, guys. Uh, old star cost, uh, podcast for sure. Yes, David. It- I'd say it's been a, a five-star star. podcast. Awesome. It's been a five-star podcast, Sean. It's been a five-star podcast. Five gold stars. Don't let Dave Meltzer in. He'll throw in more stars. Hey, you no. might even <laughs> have seven stars in Mario RPG. We, we could be we could be the best podcast machine. I like how that sounds. Jack, <laughs> we did it. Another we APOS is in the can. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the anime podcast of some sort. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and do your old boy DJM a favor and give us the old five stars in iTunes or, or, or Stitcher or wherever that may be. But the, the five stars in iTunes really helps it out, really, really spreads the APOS virus. And of course, DeltaJulietMike.com for all your Delta Juliet Mike media podcasting needs. For Jack D. Allister, I'm David Jeffrey Majors. Thanks for listening, and we'll have conversations about Japanimation in the not-too-distant future. Say goodnight, Jack. Goodnight, Jack. Goodnight, Jack.